Daily Talk Show, episode 495. We're five away from the big 500, baby. Uh, Vince LeBon, welcome to the Daily Talk Show. Thank you. It's great to have you in the studio. Yeah, cheers, mate. Uh, fresh from the States. Well, not too fresh. Mm, yeah, a couple months in now. How, um, how was your experience? We're heading over next week. I mean, mm-hmm. you lived there for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. It was a crazy experience. Um, I was there for two years, but uh, I've spent quite a bit of time there over the last couple of years and... Uh, yeah, it's very different when you're living there, for sure. I've got, I've got a young family, two kids, so mm-hmm. uh, it was a crazy, crazy experience. So people might know your shoe brand here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Rolly. Yeah. I've definitely seen a bunch of people walking around with them. Mm. Uh, you started that how many years ago? Uh, seven years ago now. And it's morphed into something bigger than you thought it would? or. Um, yeah, like I always had faith in and sort of where I could put my energy in and I thought it was a fun brand that I wanted to create that was much bigger than me. It's not called Vince LeBon, you know, it's the Rolling Nation. Good name though. It would be yeah, a good it name. Is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's actually my wife's nickname. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so, yeah, Rolly. Yeah. How did she get the nickname? Uh, it's something I don't really talk about because oh, really? uh, <laughs> <laughs> it makes me look really bad. <laughs> I assumed it had something because she was a uh, worked as a flight attendant. Yeah, she was a flight attendant for Qantas. So I just assumed the story that I'd created was Rolly. It's like she's got like a Thanks. roll-on bag or whatever yeah. and she was going, yeah it's definitely not the, the real story but i mean that's a lot of people assume that it was just a cute nickname that i, I sort yeah. of had for her yeah that we developed and i never really called her that but like all her passwords were always rolly and so oh god has she changed them <laughs> yeah. yeah now she has so yeah, yeah don't try to hack, hack her so they're all changed um but yeah and that was i worked on the the business model for six months and then i worked on the actual shoe for six months um and so yeah it just felt like the, the right fit you know and we wanted to create something that was much bigger than me. And we, I think we've done that. Like mm. the community is super, super engaged. Did it, did it feel like a luxury to spend six months? Sort of, is it literally like a pen and paper type of deal or? Yeah. I mean, well, I had like a couple different options of um, what I was trying to do. And because what I didn't want to do was just create another shoe. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't need another shoe. So I was, it was really looking at the, the actual model itself and going, I've got no money. So um, how am I going to launch a business and mm. how are we going to do it in a way that I can scale up uh, without trying to bring on, you know, some other partners if I could. Um, and so it was about going, okay, I looked at, you know, a lot of the businesses in the Australian market that were doing well and Dunlop and you've got, I guess, you know, Converse, Tom's and thought, how can we create one product that we just sort of keep updating the colors and build out a community from there and mm-hmm. collaborate with all these artists. And that's sort of how I guess the idea just came about. So but it felt right to sort of work on the model first and then mm. product. You know, the product is an outcome of the model, not the mm. other way around. Do you think uh, not having money to start something is actually a great uh, stressor or pressure to create something great? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's one lens to look at starting a business. Um, I think the problem with that is a lot of people also think, well, I haven't got much to lose. So they don't think things out too much either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a mix of both, right? Um, yeah, I think what it does is it makes you really think about sh- shit. How can I make this work? How can I really? If I had lots of money, you just probably throw a lot at it and go, oh well, that didn't quite work, and then you pivot. Mm. Whereas if you don't have money, you go, well, every dollar counts. Mm. So um, you know, a lot of thought went into how we're going to make this work. And and for me, I've been in the footwear business for ten years at that point. At that point, so it was like, what happens if this doesn't work? How do I get rid of the inventory, and then how do I go back in? How much are you thinking about things like margins? Uh, I, I mean, cause I had been in the business for a while, I knew commercially what the margin should sit at. So for me, that was like baseline. I didn't have to think about it. I mm-hmm. just, I knew that's what I had to hit. Um, 
But what I did notice, like looking back, is you get what you focus on, right? So if you focus on building a business, it's very, very easy to build a business and not be profitable. Mm. Yeah. So in, in you know my first wholesale account was the world's largest shoe store in Dubai. You know I sold 500 pairs in less than five weeks at the South Melbourne market. Um, and so like it really started to take off pretty quickly. And you know we had distribution in Netherlands. And in the first two years, I picked up Nordstrom um, in the US because I we did a trade show up there and. Everything was really, really taking off, but um, you know we weren't overly prof- profitable. I mean, mm. it takes. We're in an inventory business, so you need money to make money, right? Mm. And even though we were making money, our orders kept getting bigger, so that then went on to the next run. But it wasn't until I really focused on how do we become. I want a successful business, and that means an admirable brand that's also profitable. Mm-hmm. And the minute I focus on both of those, it happened within six months. And that so from the South Melbourne market to being stocked you know around the world is yeah. this a uh, is this part of that six months plan you know with that time you spent planning out was oh, that absolutely yeah yeah so that that six months that i took out um like i said I, it was the business model so okay um forget about the product what is it? it was a shoe that stays the same same last you know i'd worked in um i worked with a trading company prior to that so i'd been spending two years in china a month on a month off uh, this was with four kids, so that was definitely doable. Uh, and so I got to the point where I'm like, let's design the same shoe, same outsole, same lace, same sock, same shoe box, everything, just the upper material changes. So it, we, we, it was very easy to sort of go back and keep updating, you know, the shoes. And so that whole concept uh, and the go-to-market strategy was also created from the beginning. So I knew I wanted to do international trade shows. I already went and traveled to the U.S. and checked out a trade show there. I went to Japan, checked out a show there. So um, I actually ended up bringing some partners in pretty early in because they I got a full-time job because I was like, I'm about to have my first child. I'm not, I'm not trying to start a new business right now. Mm. Um, but I told them, I called them up and said, look, I'm looking for a job, but I have a business that I've just launched. It's doing really well. Um, and they said, yeah, cool, no conflict of interest. I came in. In a couple of weeks, they offered me a partnership with that business. Uh, so that was really good. They were the leading independent footwear company at the time, or still are actually. Um, and so, yeah, I said, cool, I'm willing to partner up, but here's my three-year plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had it all staged out. And they were all for it, um, signed up. We And so I sort of had two jobs at the same time, was doing Rolly and doing this other, designing for this other company. Uh, about a year in, uh, the business Rolly business was just getting too big, and I'm like, I've got to, I've got to do this full time. Yeah. So uh, I transitioned and did that full time. We brought on an assistant, uh, and it was like grassroots, man. Like you know, we had one desk, and I was working here. And my uh, assistant was working on the same desk, playing hip hop music, blaring out in uh, in this office, and it was cool. It was really fun times, man. Like we did a lot with, uh, three people, but in the end it was like, we had, a, we did a lot with three people. We're in 11 countries and just like, it was crazy busy. And so how do you go from crazy. there to end up on a reality show? <laughs> That's a good question. It's not think... big, it wasn't big brother. Yeah. It was the bachelor. It was naked and afraid. It's a good show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what happened is, after, so I ended up um, buying out and exiting from that original partnership. Mm-hmm. Culturally, we just weren't aligned. You know, I'm trying to build a brand. They were trying to sell shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I bought them out. Um, and then we went from, you know, within within a year, we basically tripled our business. Right, We went from three people to uh, 10 people. Right, mm-hmm. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. 
How did you manage like knowing when to bring on a staff member? Do you say if we're getting X amount of revenue, we can afford one more and then one more or how does that work? Yeah, a little bit like that. I mean, it was very, it was much easier in the early days. When you have no money, you make good decisions if you're not, if you're able to sort of disconnect the emotional side. Mm -hmm. So if you go, right, you know, when when we were three people, uh, my next hire, which a lot of people would think was, was nuts at the time and like... I mean, even starting a concept like Rolly was nuts at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was quite groundbreaking at the time just because no one had little white soles, super lightweight shoes. It looked like a unisex shoe. It was mm-hmm. crazy. But anyway, at three people, my, my fourth hire was an online specialist, right? And you would think, oh, what about a production manager or what about – a lot of people focus on things to make their life easier. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, no, let's – at this stage, it's about hiring people that are going to add more money to the mm-hmm. top line right, who can cover their own cost. And then that's how we just kept building and building. Every single person we hired had a direct impact to the, to the revenue. Um, so that's, the I think, the best way to grow. Mm-hmm. And how much naivety is in those early days upon hindsight? Um, in making those decisions to see, you know, how it plays out, we're like, oh, God, that was a bit too early, but it worked or, you know. No, it felt, it, uh, to be honest, like it always, it always felt quite, I felt very good with the decisions that I was making because mm. they felt very calculated and like, well, I knew exactly, like you said, like how much revenue they had to bring in to cover their cost, yeah. right? And I'm like, well, we can already see that this is working. Most of the time I try to make the money and then bring them in to support that baseline and then continue to grow. Um, anyone who's sort of known me or followed, I guess, my journey is always like when they speak to me like, oh, Rolly's doing really well. I'm like, oh, we're not even close to where we need to be. Like, yeah. And so I'm, already, I'm always thinking, cool, I'm happy where we are, but we need to be here and we need these steps to get there. Uh, I guess the naivety was around... Uh, it's just a crazy idea. I'm just, yeah. I guess, quite ambitious. And I think New York was probably where I thought, oh, I think I've gone a little bit too far now. <laughs> you know, and, it was like- and so what came first, uh, moving to the US or getting the opportunity to do the reality show? Oh, yeah. And I feel like the funny yeah, thing sorry. with the reality yeah. show is it's sort of undersell- underselling what it was because it was also like an intensive oh, course, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the, the way I got to the reality show was – Basically, I had scaled up to the, the, I think we were 10 people at the time, and I just felt like all I was doing was running a business, right? And I'm a creative at heart, even though, I, you know, I know how to to run a business. I'm looking at P&Ls and I'm an Excel geek. I love it. But um, What's your favourite formula? Uh, it's never just, like, I love, like, just mixing all of them together. <laughs> yeah. and I make, I have this obsession with making everything dynamic. Yeah. Sure. I don't yeah, like yeah. to Drop go down, back to the same yeah. sheet. And it's like, no, I want, I want it to link to the columns oh, and yeah. not, you know. Oh, I'm but just, you need Airtable. Uh, Airtable. I use Airtable. Oh, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Airtable's yeah. great. I had one issue with a dynamic thing when I was working um, in an office and it was one of those shared spaces where there's like yeah. four creatives like, oh, we should all have an office together, which ended up being a little <laughs> bit of a clusterfuck, but it just took – uh, not selecting like five cells to at the end of the year being like, oh, guys, we're 10 grand. <laughs> oh, so you, gotta be, you don't want to go too deep in the, uh, yeah. in, into the dynamic stuff. And so, so you're 10 people. Yep. You're, uh, <laughs> you're spending a lot of time doing the profit and loss stuff. Yep. And, and I was just like, I needed to take a design sabbatical. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Did that uh, feel like a luxury at the time? No, like I said, I mean, I'm a. I'm one of those guys that I feel pretty confident in my decisions and mm-hmm. that can work against me at times. But it's like mm. I was like the business is not going to die if I'm not here for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And if it is going to die, then I've done a bad job with setting up my company, right? Like mm-hmm. I believe in my team. Mm-hmm. And at the time, so um, 
the design sabbatical was actually for Pensol. So Pensol is a sneaker design academy, right? And they have little, they have masterclasses and the masterclass, it was actually three weeks. The first one mm-hmm. I applied for uh, was three weeks and this will lend into the TV show. So mm-hmm. bear with me for a second. So I was like, I need to, I need to take a break. I need to like have a design sabbatical. So I applied for, um, uh, I can't even remember what the first class was, but anyway, I applied for one of the classes and uh, I did a dope sneaker design um, and I got rejected. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, this is dope. Like, what, what makes up a dope sneaker design uh, for I, you? For me, it was just like, it was innovative. It was original. You know, I'm not one of those guys that are trying to jack like the trends out that are out there and just do my own version of a shoe and go, oh, that looks like a mm. Ultra Boost or a Balenciaga sneaker. Like I try to have my own vibe. And, and so I did this sneaker design and sent it through and then uh, got knocked back. Um, I actually got short, short, uh, shortlisted, but then I got knocked back and said, oh, cause they're only, they're very small. Like you can get, I think 12 people per class. Um, and they have like, you know, thousands of people applying. Uh, and so I wrote to the, the main guy, Dwayne Edmonds, uh, who's my mentor now. And was like, Hey, just want to get some feedback. You know, he's like, Oh, look, great design. Just, you know, it takes people three or four times sometimes. So just keep applying. I'm like, okay, cool. And how much time went into doing the design? Uh, not much time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you talk about the naive side, this, this is it. Uh, and confident. And also, yeah. but, but also, was there a part of you, like what was the relationship with having to apply or getting picked or that sort of thing? Did having a successful business that's sort of running and yeah. then playing that game, did you have to put your ego aside? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, like I didn't realize it until mm-hmm. I actually got knocked back that there was a level of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought it was like, oh, cool. Like I'm a dope sneak designer. I've got a business that's working. Why did – and like when I reached out, it wasn't out of anger. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm trying to actually learn here. Mm-hmm. What was it? Um, and and so he's like, no, just keep applying. And so what happened it was they come out, you know, probably every quarter or every you know, six months. So I designed the next one, the next class. Um, and it was funny. When I finished that sneaker, I – decided to sorry i did that i did the sneaker i submitted it and mm. before the third one even came out i started designing the next one i was like so it was a really good mind like shift for me i was going this is not about getting in the class this is about me being better as a designer mm-hmm. and so uh slight a, challenge like you're like i'll get in i'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep designing and you guys will no it was be beyond that honestly it was it yeah? was like because i like i don't look at rolly as a full-blown sneaker brand right so it's a it's a casual fashion yeah, me too. Uh, my phone is. Can you put my phone on silent if you already have it? Ninety-seven. What an absolute nightmare. Uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. So Rolly's yeah. not a full bone. It's not a. It's not a street. It's not a hype sneaker brand or yeah. anything like that. So it was like, cool. I want to play in this space now. So let me just do this for myself. And as soon as that mental shift happened, you know, I got into the class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually applied for color materials because that's you know one of my strengths. Um, so I went to the class, uh, it was three weeks in Portland. They flew, uh, they, they paid for, you know, all the accommodation mm-hmm. and, and the class it was with Foot Locker and ASICs. Um, and so they put you in group to three. Uh, we went through and one of my guys got kicked out because he was mentally a little bit unstable. Uh-huh. Um, which plays well for a reality show, I guess. So you make it to well, the, this wasn't a reality show, yeah. <laughs> this, wasn't, this wasn't even in, the, that, in that point. Yeah, no. So this was just the first masterclass. Uh-huh. And so, is um, it a certain type of person? Like I guess you're getting the, you know, there is the creator um, sort of persona that you can imagine. Is it a, yeah. a bit like that where you end up with just a bunch of creative directors in the room butting heads? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they, they have um, a marketing 
a business. So it's business and marketing. Then there's a color materials designer, and then there's a actual footwear designer. And so color materials is so the the color of the shoe, and then like the, the material yeah, is like what is that? It's is very that? insightful. <laughs> and, uh, so is yeah. it like picking between like ah. Uh, like how many different materials could you use in a shoe? Like how many oh, options do you have? So I many millions. Mm. You know, I think um, the thing around color materials is that the reason why I love it so much is because I have a holistic view to design and go, mm. well, the color of the materials actually dictates the story and the feeling and then how that translates to a shoe and actually informs the design. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I guess... Yeah, I'm not just picking colors and materials. I'm like going, okay, what's, you know, working with, because I have the business experience and mm. the footwear design and the color materials. I try to have a holistic view. And so um, that, that I think really worked, you know, in both. So we, I ended up winning the the competition, even when I were one man down, we, I won mm. the A6 and Foot Locker. So that launched um, with them um, and like it sold, sold out in a day, which was awesome. It was a global release. And so then Pencil reached out and were like, hey, we're going to do a reality TV show. We'd love for you to apply. And so that's how that all happened. Yeah, wow. So originally it was just meant to be three weeks. Yeah. And then I get, you know, the knock on the shoulder going, hey, please apply for a reality TV show. And for me, I, like, I had no desire to do that. Mm. Um, They're the best people for television though. Yeah. It's like the people that. It's like Mr. Um, 97. He doesn't like talking. So yeah. we give yeah. him a microphone. We make him yeah. talk yeah. and he's great. Yeah. yeah, I think you should like. Set him up next time with a camera. Um, just, what's what's the application process for a reality TV intense. show? Intense, crazily crazy intense. Like, uh, it's a, it was a so it was called Lace Up. It's called right? Lace Up, the ultimate sneaker design challenge. And it was was it always a YouTube original, or no. was it made and then sold to YouTube? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, so it was the the guy who ran the whole project was the guy who did uh, America's Next Top Model. Oh, cool. So, I mean, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah he's been running that ever since. And uh, my, the word is that was meant to be sold to Fox, mm -hmm. which would have been great for us. Um, but then YouTube was trying to launch a YouTube Red channel and obviously paid more. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the start of the, the thing not really working, to be honest. Uh -huh. um, you know, they poured a lot of money into it. Um, and they had, you know, all the right people associated to it, um, you know, like they're crazy celebrities mm -hmm. um, and they had, you know, Adidas or Adidas really sort of back the whole thing. Is it because like I, I was reading the comments and it's like a the sneaker freaker community, a certain type, yep. very sort of like there's all these like status games that are playing and it's just like people calling out like you know, fucking getting behind everyone and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Was that a, were you used to that world? Have you, had you experienced that? Um, I mean, I wasn't so deep into the sneaker world until I started a pencil. Yeah. Um, you know, I always appreciated sneakers, you know, the Jordans back in the day, that was like my first love for mm. sneakers. Um, and so, I mean, I, I hadn't known a bit about, it. I think the, the show, what they tried to do was go a little bit too wide. They tried to get a bit, they tried to get everyone. Sure. And I think with mm. the sneaker world, it's gotta be super authentic, right? You've mm. gotta be super dialed in. Um, and I don't think they sort of achieved that and that's probably why it didn't work mm -hmm. so you got your you know the the place where you feel most comfortable i could imagine designing and, yeah. and being your creative self and then tv crew on top of that yeah, yeah what was the most confronting thing about having your space where you love and you can do your thing yeah and then that it's super weird at first like you know there's there was seven full-time cameras on you manned cameras there's <sighs> hidden cameras everywhere hidden mics everywhere um and then you've got people that have they've been handpicked to mess with you right <laughs> like like the, the i mean they have talent like everyone there was like super talented 
Um, but I think the way that they put the groups together and the way that everything happens, you know, it, there's a lot that the show doesn't show you because mm-hmm. they were trying to stay quite professional and give you the best leg up. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened behind the doors. And Do you um, think that because you, uh, your group went on to win the yeah. competition, do you think that given how produced these things are, do you think that you guys were actually engineered to win all along? No, or was no, it hell, something? Hell no. Yeah. Definitely not. And and so from a narrative point of view, what's the yeah, what were the different stories that they were focused like what was the reality of what was happening and what were some of the things that they would pick up? Yeah. So they tell stories within stories and I think because so there were two, you know, executive producers, right? Mm-hmm. There was Dwayne Edmonds, who's really focused on giving us the best chance at life in the creative space. And so, you know, he's an incredible guy. And I think he did a really good job in removing and making sure a lot of the bullshit didn't go through, you know. And mm-hmm. then you have the executive producers on the other side who are like, we want entertainment. Yeah, more bullshit. And, more yeah, bullshit. More bullshit. Like, they, you know, were there any, like, props <clears throat> or things that, like, scenarios they created? Who stole my scissors? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rick, the producer's <laughs> yeah. nickname. Was, was there any of that sort of shit? Uh, no, it didn't feel. I mean, just yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's an unscripted yeah. scripted reality sure. TV show. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to say things over and over again. Like we talk about TV magic because you've got to walk in the door four times. <laughs> you know, you've got to have people saying certain things and making sure everyone's. And what happens is, I mean, over time, we're trying to be creative, and you got cameras in your face, and like people just lose their mind. They're like. Fuck it, I don't, I don't need to listen to you. Like, yeah. and then it becomes tension between the, you know, the, the guys on on the cast and the crew. So it's yeah, it's a very interesting dynamics. But I think like after, because I know I'm, I was you know one of the older contestants. Uh, there were a few people that are similar to age to me. But you know, I'm a dad. I'm I'm already a professional in the space, and I was like, going, I'm not trying to act like a fool right now. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I was quite reserved for the first week and a half, two weeks. But then what? Because I and it's the first show, so you're not sure how they're going to portray you. Yeah. Um, but then you you get tired, then you just lose your mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you've been working nonstop. We had three three dark days, which are day offs. Mm-hmm. We worked every other day. Like we would mm-hmm. get a we would get a brief in the afternoon. We'd have to pitch the idea at the end of the day. Start designing the next day. Make the next day. Pitch to the celebrity mm-hmm. the next day, and then you're back on it again. It's crazy. I was, I was watching uh, episode one and like the first montage has a lady falling off a bunk bed. Oh, Megan. <laughs> like just, oh, I love her. I mean, I mean the people are it, incredible people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. She, so how did that, that's, like, not, that's not set up. Like yeah, she literally she just fell, off. Fell, fell off. And she fell off twice. <laughs> okay. oh, just, Maybe yeah. at that point she should get the bottom bunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We spoke about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know reality shows aren't known for paying well. They usually just cover your, your costs. So pain point. Yeah, because uh, it was in it was in Portland. Was that yeah, it? it was in Portland. And is Portland when it comes to um, cost of living, like yeah. food and stuff? Uh, they pay for everything. Okay, cool. for, for like living, food. Um, the pay, I mean, it was meant to be a hundred thousand dollar prize money, mm-hmm. and like you can imagine having a family. Like I'm like, yeah. cool man, let's let's make mm. this happen. Yeah. Like that made a lot of sense. And then I got there, and they like switched it up on us on camera. Like, hey, the winner gets a free year of swag and gets a job at Adidas as an internship. I'm like, oh no, yeah, what? Well, I mean, the people that go <laughs> so, on reality shows usually uh, aren't the successful ones. Yeah. So when you come in having a bit more, it's almost to lose, or you're risking a bit by taking yeah, the time yeah, out. Yeah. So what was that sort of, I mean, that would have pissed me off. Oh, mentally it? that killed me, yeah. I was like, damn, I'm like giving up being time, you know, home with my family to yeah. do this. and Because it's not like I, I just need, I want the money, but it's yeah. like I'm 
no, putting like, it on the line. Absolutely. Here. I mean, I think for me, it was like the money was one element, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think one of those mindsets too uh, of being able to to win in both times is like I didn't go there with the intention to win. Mm-hmm. I, my bar is about creating great work, mm. and I believe if we create great work, we'll either win or I'll just be happy with the work that I create, yeah. and that's enough for me. And uh, and I think like when and so you don't have the added pressure of going shit. I need to win, right? So that that really helped us sort of get through um, where we're at. Um, but definitely, I, I you know at the beginning mentally it was really hard to go. Okay, now we don't. There's no money here, so now it's all about the platform. Did you have a conversation, like a hard conversation with producers and stuff when you uh, contractually they can change anything? Yeah. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what you, what happens is you end up realizing that this is an incredible opportunity mm-hmm. regardless of the money, right? And like to be able to be in a space where you're designing nonstop every single mm-hmm. day, challenged to the max for, you know, what was it, nine weeks with celebrities. Um, it was just cool. What and happened then, to your business with Rolly at the time? Were you doing all of this stuff and then having phone calls with the, with uh, the team or what did that No, well, they took our phone and so uh-huh. we weren't allowed to talk to people. Oh, wow. um, for nine weeks? For nine weeks, and you yeah. Had, how many dark days did you say? Yeah, had- three dark days. I was, um, you know, anyone who had a family was able to check in I think every two days or like for 10 minutes. <laughs> this, um, but you were filmed. Outrageous. You were yeah. filmed it's when fun. they were checking in. So you couldn't like, you couldn't do stuff or yeah. talk about stuff. Like everything that was being talked about would be on camera essentially yeah. and like, you know, I had uh, my my two IC actually at the time tried to resign at the end. I was like, bro, are you serious right now? Like <laughs> I'm trying to focus on getting through right now. And you're like, I don't know if I could do this. And uh, so that was that was a challenge mentally. Uh, but it's, you know, like I said, I, I genuinely believe that I, this company needs to be set up that I can go out and do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a slave to this business. Yeah. Right? The, the everyday creating the you know, spending that time on your craft. Yeah. What, I mean, did, has, did it take something like the reality show for you to enter into that space? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I, I, I remember the one of the biggest key learnings that I got at the end of it was like, man, we just did eight weeks here and we did a project every four days. A project that either went to market or could have went to market and it was like we had full-blown it wasn't just product. It was we had a physical sample. We had a go-to-market strategy. We had everything done, ready. I was like, I could do this every single week, and I would have fifty-two projects mm. at the end of the year, and I'd have three days off every week. Yeah. You know, like mentally, like mm. you get, you just imagine if someone released fifty-two products a year and still felt like they only worked half the week. Yeah, like you, no one thinks about designing at that level. And um, and so reflecting reflecting now that you're not in that sort of pressure cooker yeah. to being in the real world. Mm-hmm. What's what's the learning? Why don't we do it? Why, or why don't you do that? Um, well, I mean, I've moved <coughs> back, so I'm gearing up to sort of have little sprints where I do that. Mm. Uh, definitely. Like that's something that I've taken on board and go, cool, how do I bring that into my daily life? I think um, we just get so caught up on in living and like you get caught up with like just the regular day-to-day that it feels like everything's intense but it's nothing like a controlled, focused, creative expression. Do you I, think I miss that. is living important, do you think? Yeah, of course. I mean, designing, you know, it's that's not everything. I think um, like I love design, right? Mm. Um, 
but the ultimately like even my business like i love my business but i do it for my family right so it was very easy to sort of go i'm doing this for eight weeks because i'm going to go back to my family and mm-hmm. hopefully i'll have my goal like aside from winning the money which got taken off mm-hmm. with day one but you I'll, had some great about, swag you had the I had, I had, yeah, had yeah, great swag yeah. um, going home exactly yeah, lax looking, <laughs> looking legit right yeah, yeah. Like absolute bowler yeah. you look like you had 100 grand you just did exactly yeah, yeah. I had 100 grand of pro, 100 grand of promo gear yeah. no i mean well, at least we got to pick it yeah. which is good but how we, many snapbacks have you got it's oh my like, god yes yeah, i got one for every day yeah you know hey what are you guys on four or five what'd you say four nine five four nine five it's four nine six uh so yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was a lot of but you know, and like at that point, I I so after the show had aired uh, or filmed, I was like speaking to Dwayne, uh, my mentor, and he was like, you know, if this show does really well, you know, you got to be ready and available to take all these interviews and mm-hmm. opportunities that arise. So it was like, okay, that's where the moving to the US was like. If I move to the US, if the show blows up, I could do all my interviews, I could build a platform and a profile, and then have Rolly take off in the US. That was the goal. Um, but yeah, the show didn't, you know, because they, they did it through YouTube red and then they did a deal with complex, which complex is an amazing, you know, they got a cool, really good sneaker platform, but they're genuine sneakerheads, Yeah. Mm. Right. And so the show, you've done a broad show you've got a broad and then you've show. given it to like a, a narrow audience that have very exactly. specific taste. And, and the worst part about it is no one wanted to cover it press wise because why would they promote competitor? Yeah, sure. Mm. Like it was literally the perfect storm in the yeah. wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's cool. Like, you know, it, it sort of reset my expectations of, you know, of sort of where I was at, you know, mentally and go, okay, well, now what do I do? You know, mm. I think a lot of times, you know, we, we focus on, oh, if I only got a partnership, my business, you know, if I got in, if I will partner up with Australia's biggest mm-hmm. footwear company, this would blow up. Yeah. And then it doesn't work out. You go, oh, imagine if I was on a TV show and had this great yeah. option. It's like, no, just make shit happen yourself. Yeah. yeah well, it's giving the power over. So it's like Josh saying, um, you know, uh, auditioning or submitting and being knocked yeah. back. It's like I've created all this shit. Yeah. Why am I? Why am I facing this now? Mm. Did you? Um, did you actually sit down and strategize moving forward without all that stuff yeah, that you thought yeah. might have happened? Yeah, for sure. I, um, like I said, I think even like coming back here, like this was a, a real lifestyle decision for us. It was like, okay, how bad do I, I think I was so focused on building an empire just because I felt like I could, as opposed to going, what do I really want in life? And, and so mentally that was a really big shift. And so, you know, I'm looking, I'll eventually release my luxury sneaker line next year. It doesn't need to make money. I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. Right. And so just understanding what and why you're doing things, I think was really important. So, you know, we bought a, we, we came back, we bought a place in the country up in, uh, it's near Dalesford. Great. And so, like, I'm going to have a little uh, sample design studio there. So, you know, I'll, I'll go up there every week and just design shoes and or just design stuff. What do you think of the story that a lot of Australians sort of spin around? If I was in the US, it would yeah, be a completely yeah. different story. Wait, you can say it's our, it's yeah, our I mean, story. Yeah, I mean, that's our story. It's like, <laughs> it, would be, it would be the biggest <laughs> fucking thing if we weren't yeah, uh, yeah. stuck in this shithole. <laughs> yeah, like we've yeah. got the fucking bins going out. and I guess it would probably be louder in New York. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, but what, yeah, what? how did uh, your experience challenge that story? Yeah, it challenged it real quick <laughs> because uh, when I first got there, uh, Complex Comms on, uh, you know Complex Comms? No, it's like no. a, okay, it's a big design, uh, it's a big sneaker convention. So they have like limited drops. It's a big deal in the sneaker world. But that was uh, like literally, I think, I came, the week I came, it was uh, New York Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. So I was out 
nonstop for two weeks. Uh, my wife stayed with me, which was good, nice, <laughs> but that stretched the relationship yeah. when we first got there. And then I went to ComplexCon. I got invited there. Um, Whereabouts the is that? That's in um, it's in California. What is mm -hmm. it? Uh, Long Beach. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was really cool. You know, um, it was a really really cool space. But w when I was there, it was sort of. Uh, we had, we had everyone, it was the first time we all sort of got back together mm -hmm. as a crew and it was just, it was crazy to see it all sort of come together and, and go and shit, is this really what I want to be a part of? Um, and when I was there, I met um, Jerry Lorenzo, Ronnie Fay, and Virgil. So mm -hmm. I met three of my idols in the, basically the first month or two of being there. And what I realized real quick was I didn't have the work to back what I was wanting, the space I was wanting to be in. So you go there and going, if I was only in the US, how incredible would it be? I'd meet all these people. But mm -hmm. you're like, I think you, it's much better to just create amazing work and have them come to you mm -hmm. instead of trying to go there and sell yourself to them, right? And so what I've noticed is, you know, when my, when my you know, the James Hardens got released and the, all the, the sneakers and the stuff I was working on, I was getting people reaching out to me as opposed to it being... You don't need to go to the States to blow up. Mm. You just need to create awesome shit here that people come to you. Like, you know, if you look at, you know, PE Nation and what she did, yeah. she's living in Sydney and mm -hmm. killing it. Yeah. So how do you think that it, I think it's quite common to think like that. We need to be in the hustle and bustle. We yeah. need to be in New York City or whatever. It's also yeah. like that scale thing. Everyone says like Australia's not big enough to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. Um, yeah. But that's, I'm not saying that um, not to focus on the international market, mm -hmm. But you could do that from here. Yeah, that's the misconception. So when you live in New York, it's so. I mean, like now that I've lived there, you get a real fresh perspective. Like I lived in Brooklyn, right? The idea of going to Manhattan was so painful. Really? Yeah, you'd organize all your meetings in one day. So you're like, "Cool, I'll be Manhattan uh, next week on Thursday." Let's and I'd literally have three, four meetings on that one day because that's the only day I go into the city. Like you're like, dude, you're. It's literally across yeah. the water. Yeah. Right. It's almost so, like when you, when I was a kid, we had a, a, a pool and we're like, fuck, when we get a pool, we're going to use it every single day. Yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what the weather is. And then before you know it, it's like yeah. mum's yelling at me because I haven't been in the pool in there. six months. So <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you think you were going to go to the island of Manhattan more than you did? Yeah, or? for sure. Yeah. You think yeah. like I, I we chose New York because it was like everyone comes to New York and mm -hmm. so we'd be able to arrange meetings all the time. We'd, you know, LA is an incredible place to be, but it's so big and I'd spend most of my time in traffic. Sure. Mm. So I was like, this makes a lot of sense. I can get around easily. Um, but what you find is that like a lot of, if you live in Brooklyn particularly, like people don't go to Manhattan and a lot of Manhattan people don't go to Brooklyn. Mm. So, um, yeah, you build this in your head that it would be so easy. And then like the, the States is massive, right? And so a lot of the time we're, we're on conference calls between here in LA or we're doing something with San Francisco, we're doing something with Seattle. Like, you know, when I was launching with Rolly, we had customers all over the country or collaborators and it's like, so you're not actually seeing them anyway. Yeah. yeah. Right. You may as well do that. Like if you really, really want to do this from here, just change, change your working hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it almost like a brand perception as well? Like what do, what do you think about when you think of personal brand? Yeah. I think you can be international and just go like, if you, if, if I committed and this is what I hope to do is I'll mm -hmm. just go, I'm going to be in New York and LA every single quarter. Mm -hmm. mm. So you just book all your meetings in that time frame. Yeah. And I think um, I think you almost need to do that actually if you want to really be 
relevant globally. Um, and you know, you might pick Europe and the US, but if you if you set a time that you're always there, then people know to book those meetings in those times. And from a personal brand perspective, it really definitely helps being global. Mm -hmm. Like um, when you talk about just being in Australia, like they switch off mentally also because yeah. it's like it's too hard. Yeah. The um, we had an experience where with with LA we decided to go down the route of getting media visas, which we straight away regretted because mm -hmm. we had all this like you we had to go to the US consulate and all that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, that's a bloody process. Yeah, oh. but I can only imagine the process that you went through with yours. What was what was that all like? Yeah, so I got a O one, mm -hmm. uh, which you, I love. You can say it. you're yeah. exceptionally talented. No, I just I don't like saying it, but it's like <laughs> when I say it, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I like alien with extraordinary talents. So yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, really? Uh, and uh, yeah, it was. Um, I was very lucky because mm -hmm. the when I got my O one, it was done through the TV show, and right. so they did everything for me. Mm -hmm. But um, I had to give them a lot of stuff. Like they obviously wanted like all press clippings. You had to prove that you were the best place person. Mm. to basically be there and you're an expert in your industry. Yeah. Do you remember the like the US like going to the consulate? Did you have to do all that and have an appointment? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Actually, um so before the show when they, when you fly up, they fly you up a, a week early and you're in solitude for a week, so you can't talk to anyone. And it's basically to mess you up. Yeah. Um it's but, so fucked up. Oh, yeah, the whole horrible. thing is just yeah. Pretty outrageous. Yeah. So. I mean, we did do it to Mr. 97 when he first started working with yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, but Put that's, him in yeah. that's called onboarding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so you, you got there a week. How long do you say? Well, I was lucky. Of, so yeah. it's normally everyone gets there a week early. Mm -hmm. I was the only one, I think it was my, me and one other person actually, where we had issues with our visa. Mm -hmm. Like everything was left sort of not to the last moment, but they make everything difficult. Mm -hmm. And so I got my visa uh after like going and doing two appointments and it was just, it was painful like mm -hmm. it really was but i was lucky that they did most of it yeah but the painful part was like they're like if you're not here in a day's time like you're not in the show oh wow right so i was already confirmed to get in but i had no visa so i like they ex expedited the whole thing for me and then i flew out the day i landed i did my interview with the whole executive board and then the, the next morning they're like you're in Wow. So, wow. And like there were some people that spent a whole week there and got sent home. I know. So it was about four people. Yeah. 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 Auditions are horrible. Like all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like, cause it's, it's, you could, you could easily identify that it's like, I'm not actually just right for that. So it's not yeah. about me and who I am. Mm -hmm. It's just that I I'm not a right fit. Yeah. But sure. you're also <laughs> seeing the opportunities when, when you've yeah. got Dwayne saying like, man, you got to be ready for like, fucking brace yourself. Yeah. yeah. But you don't it's know which way, big. you don't know which yeah. way it's potentially you going to go. Ready and they go, you're going home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Earlier you said uh, the partnership you had when you had Rolly happening, but you're working with that other company yeah. and you yeah. said uh, they were selling shoes and I was trying to build a brand, trying to build a brand. Yeah. What's the distinction there between yeah. what you do and what they were? on a mission to do? Um, well, one's short-term and one's long-term, right? And so if you're just focusing on a selling shoes, that's easy to do, right? Copy everyone else, mm -hmm. put your own logo on it. Or if you have your own brand and your own shoe that you've done, flog it and sell it to any anyone who's wanting to take it, do deals and don't care about where it's being placed and who you're selling to. What's right? the biggest compromise that most brands or people selling shoes make? Um, I mean, most businesses fail in the first three years, right? Mm -hmm. So what generally happens is the first year 
you're spending so much time on building relationships and you've got this, you're so buzzed, you've got this awesome idea that you think is awesome and most other people don't. <laughs> and it takes a good year to sort of get things in motion and then by the second year, all of that hard work in the first year starts to pay off. Um, and then generally what happened, the reason why I believe they fail in the second and third year is that by the time you get there, that's where you see all the mistakes that you've made. And so whether you're not commercial enough or whether you haven't factored in that if you miss a delivery or um, or something goes wrong with your manufacturer, you just can't warrant that cost mm. or loss. And um, so that's really where it comes down. Whereas for, for us, um, you know, we were up, up and running out the gate almost immediately. And that was because, like I said, I'd been the, in the game for 10 years prior. So I already knew who I could go out to, what customers I could see. It was just a matter of whether they wanted it or not. Um, and with the guys that I was partnered up with, um, I just knew culturally it wasn't a mm -hmm. good fit. So I was like, instead of using your sales team, I'm going to get my own sales team. And that was like, they're tough conversations to have mm -hmm. with partners to go, yeah. well, just because you you have, you know, the ability to sell shoes, it's, you're, it's not the right people. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not going to use your marketing team because they're not doing... Shit. So what's something outside of the selling of the shoes do you think is extremely important? Um, you need to have a unique selling proposition, right? Mm -hmm. You need to mean something. You need to be authentic. You need to genuinely be adding value into people's lives. Like the way I look at, you know, selling anything is if you really want someone to give up their hard-earned cash, like someone who's literally worked nine to five to make money to then exchange it for something that you're offering, so just add value to their life. Just mm -hmm. focus on that. Stop focusing on yourself. Like I hear so many people like pitching ideas to me or, you know, wanting advice and they're like, you know, I've got experience in this and I've done this and I've done that. I'm like, you're just talking about yourself. Mm -hmm. Like what value are you adding to the people that you're wanting to take their money from? Like I believe if you do the right thing and you have the right values and you're adding value to their life, they'll willingly want to spend the money and give it over and mm -hmm. buy into it. You think it's something that needs to be known from day one that – value proposition or is it something that you iterate on and actually yeah. evolve into? I think you can evolve into, you can adapt and pivot, but you need to, from day one, you need to be thinking about what the value exchange is between you and the customer. If you don't have that, then, you know, you're probably just leveraging, you know, your existing network and they're just by, you know, helping you out because they're friends or family mm. and like no one buys something that they don't need. Mm-hmm. Like oh, this not, guy, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did buy met it. A guy who did. I, I bought this coin once, which was a dumb purchase. But it was, yeah, uh, it was a coin to remind him that, that he's going to die, die one day. Yeah. Oh, but right, with nice. the whole exchange rate, and it worked out to be seventy-five bucks. Yeah. yeah. And my girlfriend keeps finding it around the house. It's a bit slightly annoying. So. But it provided you value in maybe storytelling or yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. mate, don't validate it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a fucking weird yeah. thing to do. But, I mean, it is. It is. I ended up in a fucking sales. Where's the coin now? It's on a on the smart speaker at home, just sitting, oh, okay. sitting there on the yeah. bedside table. So, so it's, it's kind yeah. of balanced the terrible decision that you made. So that's <laughs> exactly. a smart speaker, yeah. not so smart decision. And they actually sort of balance okay, cool. each other. Nice. Um, socks. How important are socks to a shoe brand? Uh, we, well, we, ha we have a thing that we say, no socks, no problem. Okay, that's great. I, I, I like that. I think yeah. like I had, uh, what were the shoes, 97, that I had, the woolen ones that I gave to you? Uh the New Zealand Those, company. Yeah, made of wool. All birds. All birds. Uh, all birds, yeah. So uh, I don't know what, like I love, uh, I get into hype. Yep. Uh, I'm not uh, cool enough to get into Supreme or like shit. Like I don't have yep. the street cred. 
but all birds was the perfect type where it's like so that's this, your that's your bar like yeah that's as far as you go. yeah that's sort all of birds. like from okay. a if if i think about it from a marketing point of view it was playing into this sort of status of sort of san francisco silicon valley people wearing these yep. things and it was the new zealand wool and it was, so it was yeah. this great story couldn't get him in australia so i did this yeah. fucking proxy shipping thing so right fucking, like you went through a bit of effort yeah and then i ended up fucking i was walking on a beach and the fucking tide came in and the shoes got Gosh. wet and yep. they were fucked yeah so i gave them to mr 97 <laughs> but cool. they so that was an, is that what what they were doing using wool and all that sort of thing is that something that's Super innovative, or is it innovation from a marketing perspective? Gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for more the second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Allbirds is a, a unique business. I think what they've done is incredible, mm-hmm. right? So they've ticked every box, right? Um, you know, they use an incredible avatar, or they did use an incredible agency, you know, Red Antler. They just mm-hmm. create incredible experiences. They were like ticking the innovation box, ticking the price point, ticking the branding, t- like, it feels very calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I think they have longevity or not, you know, I'm yet to sort of be mm-hmm. convinced. Um, if they focus on material and product innovation, yeah, sure. But, you know, if you think about like what Tom's did, you know, if we're talking about shoes, mm-hmm. I mean, Tom's is an incredible business model. Yeah. But the shoes don't stack up, mm-hmm. right? And I think all birds, they feel incredible when you first put them on. Yeah. But they look like shit. Yeah, yeah. Three well, months later, because they like lose their shape. They lose their shape. Yeah. They people see people sliding in them all the time. Yeah. They don't come from a you know a real shoe background. It's mm-hmm. just you know material science and marketing. Yeah. Um, but not trying to dog them. Like they've done mm-hmm. a really good mm-hmm. job. I just find it interesting because there's they're people who have told the material story. Yeah. To the consumer, so I don't like you know you buy normal runners or whatever, and it, there's not. Outside of like, you know, growing up and you knew that if you had like the fucking gel at the bottom of the shoe that you're going to fucking jump higher. Yeah, right? of course. Mm, and pumps, so, yeah. Pumps. But it's funny because the reason why you bought it is probably the reason why most people buy them, right? Mm. Like they're VC backed and yeah. they have so many celebrities and it has a real like attitude attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in Brooklyn, like it's not the coolest shoe, but you have yeah, cool yeah. people wearing it. Yeah. So it's um, it's funny how they've been able to cut through. Mm. Um, is it a business play at brand or... Is it a company just selling shoes? Are they? No, no, it's definitely a brand play. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. a brand play. Uh, I think product alone, like if you just sold that product with no marketing, no storytelling, it definitely wouldn't be what it is today. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because you could imagine the different sort of if that, if that was say made by a farmer, like you could change the whole story that you could yeah. imagine it being sold at some market mm. type of yeah, deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It could be a Victorian market shoe, yeah. and you just would look. We wouldn't look twice at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you th- you look at all these kickstarters that. They conjure up an amazing story. Well, all birds, I yeah. think, started. Oh, did they? Yeah, they yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, great video too. Their first yeah. video. They, they knew what they were doing. Yeah. And so the Kickstarter thing, crowdfunding. Have you seen it work well within this? Yeah, industry? yeah, totally, totally. Um, there's a few brands. There's a kid actually out of pencil too that did one called. Uh, I think the brand was called Cootie or something like that mm-hmm. or Cody. You know, he did a really good job too. You know, small infrastructure. Um, and he made it work. He's launched his brand through that. I mean, All Birds is a great example of it. Um, yeah, I think, the, I mean, the crowdfunding, I don't know how much more legs it has. Like yeah. it seems to be a bit um, dated now as a sort of go-to-market strategy. Mm. But if you've got a cool product, sure, why not? The um, Shoe Dog book has become yeah. a mainstream read. How is, uh, how is that story shaped, do you think, the industry, the public perception on what you do? 
yeah. and the interest factor of when you're, you know, at a family event, people asking you questions. Yeah, well, I've got three copies of that book. Yeah. Uh, they were all gifts. <laughs> so I'm not really good at reading biographies. I'm yeah. more of a business book kind of guy. I'm yeah. very practical and mm -hmm. uh, it's a great, I've started reading it. It's a great, great book. Mm -hmm. I just struggle to get through books like that. Yeah. I'd rather watch a video, yeah. you know, a movie. Mm -hmm. Give me two hours. And I, get on I Audible. Like, I listened to the audio book. It was, it was How good. long is it? It must be like uh, 14 hours or something. The thing though, is right? with audio books, I, I put it on when I go to bed. So I end up missing huge chunks. I fall yeah, asleep. Right. There and is so, that um, company that does the sort of, it's like they take the notes or the best list. bits. Yeah. yeah and so you yeah. can just listen to the best bits of it or yeah, something. Yeah. Like I pay my, my best mate, uh, he's obsessed with Blinklist and I pay him out all the time. Cause every time I see him, he's got like this whole cool new, he's read this book. I'm like, dude, did you, was it, did you take 15 minutes just to read the notes? <laughs> and he's like, but it's good. He gets a lot out of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. should do that. Yeah. What's um, the um, value in Melbourne coming back? And being here for three months, yeah, we have a big Melbourne audience. Uh, if uh, if we're speaking to entre entrepreneurs or people who are just getting started, yeah, and they've got the story around the US thing or all those sort of limiting stories or the stuff around, uh, you know, tall poppy syndrome, all that sort of thing. Well, the money, yeah, money, mm. yeah, customer size. What are some of the positive things about being in Melbourne? Look, I, I launched Rolly during a GFC, mm -hmm. right? I did it with. No, I didn't do my MBA. Like you can make shit happen regardless yeah. at any time. Like you just have to find a way. So just do it. I think thinking that you need to be in the States to make stuff happen, that's it's all a lie. Yeah. Right. Like you could do it from here. You could still focus on the international market. Just do it from here. Like I said, just book regular trips. Mm. Um, I will say like the one thing, the main, main thing that I've learned is like it's not about selling yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Just create great work and they'll come to you. Like build up. It's, it's not about like what you think you're capable of doing in your head. It's actually what you're putting out into the world. And there's so many like people that I made that are like, oh, you know, I've got all these cool sketches, but no, it's, yeah. it's never been made into mm, yeah, a shoe yeah. or you've the never bought it to the world. Do this I think the, the confusing part is, right, it's like you see some cool designer on Instagram that has a shitload of followers. No business model or yeah. business skills behind it. And so we're sold on the entrepreneur who sells himself really well and we buy into him. But there's nothing behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So how do you bring it into the real world? How do you have a more holistic view? And it's funny, like I, you know, I had a successful brand. Rolly was doing really well. And it wasn't until I, you know, when I started, I worked at the Adidas Brooklyn farm for six months, you know. Um, what is that? Um, it's Adidas's like innovation creative mm -hmm. center. Um, really cool. The guys from Nike that got sued, uh, that went across to Adidas. Okay, yeah, by sure. them. yeah, yeah. Um, so it was really cool. Like, you know, we'd be in there and I'd, I'd rock up and, you know, Alexander Wang's just sitting there sketching mm -hmm. and you've got, you know, TI and Beyonce's team coming in. And it was, you know, you could get really caught up on the hype of it all, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I don't want to photo with you. I want to design with you. Yeah, I want to yeah. work with you. So for me, it, there was a lot of politics and it didn't really serve what I wanted out of it. Um, but you know, it was, it was an incredible experience, but it's like, here we we value and look up to international brands so much mm -hmm. that people think that I was a successful designer because I worked at Adidas as yeah. opposed to going I've got a successful Rolly brand. Yeah, it's really funny. Like I'm making a shitload more money doing Rolly yeah. than working at Adidas, but that's what people value more. Was so. more social status in the yeah. in the yeah. attachment to the big brand. Well, Rode, Rode microphones, their logo, they have this sort of 
like um, weird sort of thing in f- on the top of the O. Oh, it's just here, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and, like uh, a cross through the O. And yeah. it's basically to make it seem like Scandinavian or like Euro, right. Euro but they're a fucking uh, Sydney-based company or the manufacturer. Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's one of the greatest Australian brands yeah. like that wow. has gone international. Yeah. And yeah. they're like innovation. Pioneers. They like buy the manufacturing gear and do like most mm. of the manufacturing yeah. in Sydney and stuff. But it's that is such a clearer example people thinking about brand and then trying to make it look less Australian. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like you look at Aesop and you look at some really cool Australian brands. Mm. Like I said, P Nation, I'm a big fan of what she's doing because she's connected to culture, right, and she's doing it from Sydney. I think that that was a real, like I said, meeting my three idols in the first month and going, shit, I didn't capitalise off that opportunity because Mm. I didn't have... Like, yeah, I can show them the stuff I did for James Harden and this and that. It's like, yeah, but they don't want to vibe. They don't want to go, cool, let's hook up and start designing now. And so how did, because Tommy and I were talking about this the other day. We were at an event and we're talking about, oh, did we talk about like most people don't know what we do from a production point of view. And we were debating on the difference between saying it and having to say, oh, we do this thing versus being noisy enough through just the product itself exactly that they don't need we don't need to do any of the, the talking yeah mm. do you think it w- was that a shift was there a time because i know having been to conferences and stuff in the u.s being at south by and all that sort of thing there mm-hmm. are there is that uh style of person especially like you look at gary v and sort of yeah. the tribe that he has and it's like q a session and people are like doing their pit, like everyone's told that they need their elevator pitch. Yeah. What is the reframing to the elevator pitch based on that idea that it's not about necessarily saying what you do? I think the elevator pitch becomes your work, mm-hmm. right? And so if you just keep putting work out there, then you're selling yourself through that medium as opposed to, you know, there's, we had a pitch um, from a design agency uh, a couple of weeks ago who were trying to do our marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we do... You know, we do UX, we do center design, we do this. And it was like, none of your slides proof show me that you do that. Yeah. Right? Whereas the next pitch that we worked with the agency, mm-hmm. everything they, they didn't say they had to do these certain things, but you were like, you already knew they do it because yeah. they're presenting it. So I think that's sort of more of the mindset. Like instead of me saying I'm able to do a luxury sneaker line, just make one. Is there certain redundant language? So for instance, within the video production space. Yeah. Saying high quality video doesn't mean anything because every like the shittest uh, video production company will say that they're high quality. Yeah, is it? Is, are there certain phrases like that within the sneaker space, like comfort, or like are there certain words that are just universal that you don't sell on? Yeah, I think um, you know, like I said, the sneaker world and the shoe world are mm-hmm. very, very different things. Sure. Um, I think the sneaker world is a little bit like. If you're a self-proclaimed sneakerhead, you're not part of the culture. Sure. No, yeah, yeah. Like nobody like wanted to be called a hipster yeah, 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 when you are. Yeah. So, Just one day you wake up and you have a beard with a yeah. very big but I girl. love pushing. I love I am one of the, the people who s- says I'm a hipster being sort of a bit ironic. Yeah. But yesterday I went to um, Red Sparrow, the pizza place on yeah. Smith Street. It's like all vegan. I'm trying vegetarian because I watched a documentary. Yes, I did and watch that. I listened yeah. to that episode. I'm okay. vegetarian, so oh, yeah, I, I empathised with oh, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I watched that. So I went to Red Sparrow. It's all vegan. And so I'm all hipster and shit. But then I said, um, "Can I have a diet coke, please?" And the guy comes down to my level and he says, "We don't." Uh, sell anything that you can buy at Coles. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which I was like, fuck. And then so he had like this fucking cola 
So I had that, yeah. but it was, a, it was like twelve bucks. Yeah, 12 and seven. Bucks. But then I was trying to. But it, it was um, it was the Cappy brand. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was good. fucking sure that you could get Cappy on coal. So he's. I'm trying to find coals online, Cappy. So I we actually just, just to put it in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. But then every time I clicked through to coals online, it was like not showing up. So I think they only did the sparkling water. Yeah, I've not seen the, the Cappy sparkling water. Yeah. Mm. But uh, I mean, what do you like with the all the different um, like the sneakerhead the I mean, do you say you're vegan or vego? No, I'm definitely vegetarian. I'm okay, not vegan. Yeah, sure, yeah. My wife's vegan, mm-hmm. um, but she hates being called vegan. Oh, really? She says, yeah, she has a plant diet. Uh, what is it? Plant, plant based, based diet. Based. Yeah, because she wears leather products. And so I get okay, it. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because like vegetarians and vegans, they they most of them are doing it for, I mean, they're either doing it for animal cruelty, but a lot mm-hmm. of them are doing it for like um, to have a, you know, a better world in the environment. Mm. But they harp on people that are trying. Yeah. Like they mm. make you, if you're like, I'm vegetarian and you ate meat like once, and they're like, I thought you were vegetarian. Yeah. And like, hey, it's like, mm. dude, yeah, I settle down. Yeah. Like I'm on your side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Not that I eat meat now, but I remember that during the transition, uh, it was, it was hard because mm. you ended up getting shitted on by everyone. Yeah. You know, the meat people are like, oh, why are you doing that? You changed. Yeah. You know, I used to be a fried chicken, hot yeah. dog, burger kind of guy. Uh-huh. Um, and so what do you eat now? Because I'm at the state, I weighed myself and I'm fucking yeah. on the edge of giving this shit up because I'm like, probably put on a kilo, maybe, but I'm thinking that maybe it's because of all the bread that I've been eating. Uh, what are you? That's surprising. I mean, your legs look really like. I think, yeah. That, well, uh, yeah, it's normally, it actually happens, I think. Must with be the overweight. stairs on the way here. <laughs> no, I find that uh, fat people tend to have really lean legs because it's like they're doing a leg day every day. Right, right. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. But no. um, so, yeah, so what do you eat? Uh, so I, I wouldn't be vegetarian if it wasn't for my wife. My wife's okay. an awesome cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, she never used to be. The States made her an awesome cook. Oh, like, really? I, yeah, the food there, you, it's very hard to live on that mm-hmm. food if you're mm. not from there. Like, salty. Uh, salty. Everything Aussie. feels like yeah. uh, over-processed yeah. and hormones and everything. Like, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Pancakes have to come with eggs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we think we're so cool when we go there because we always go to Chipotle, which is oh, just yeah. so Owned broken. by McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And well, so it's cool when you find that out. But <laughs> it's still great, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a it's good product. Good. Like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't skimp on the guac or anything. So <laughs> what, what do you, uh, so what do you eat then? Uh, so I eat, I like, like I'm, so let me be clear. I'm vegetarian. I'm not necessarily healthy vegetarian, sure. yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like I don't do it for that reason. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have like buttermilk oyster mushrooms and mm-hmm. uh, I had, you know, I went to the market lane and got that mushroom burger the other day that everyone's been raving about. That's really good. Um, but yeah, I eat like, you beans, know, lentils. beans, lentils. Black um, beans. I feel like bl- yeah, black yeah, beans. Absolutely. Like I love Mexican food. Mexican's great yeah. if you're vegetarian. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the best. I used to, when we were in the States, um, the Israeli food is incredible. Mm. So that's where I like falafel and eggplant. Uh, yeah, great. I love eggplant. Hummus. Yeah. Hummus. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so the... If, I, if, if the old me had, had listened to this yeah. now, I'd be like, this is <laughs> So I, I know how I'm coming across how, right how, now. How long has it been? Uh, two years. Okay. And Do you feel um, better? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I actually don't like talking about it too much because I don't like to be a preacher. Yeah. Um, well, everyone's on their own journey. Yeah, absolutely. And so I don't judge anyone that's not, you know, I'm not that kind of guy. Have you had your blood work done? Uh, like, how's your... Yeah, that's where I actually mm-hmm. really saw a huge impact. Mm-hmm. To, um, what, to what specifically? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, running a business, there's a lot of stress that comes with that. Mm. And the stress shows up in your blood. You may not see it. Um, Cortisol levels. But yeah, it's, it throws everything mm-hmm. off. And so all the inflammation on the inside, like when I went to a vegan or vegetarian, I'm pr- predominant. I mean, I eat a lot of vegan food, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, but I'm vegetarian. Um, it's huge improvements in energy. Mm. Um, 
predominantly predominantly energy and just like not feeling so full like you know when you're eating meat you just you know that, like when you finish lunch how many times have you gone i want to like sleep yeah, mm. sure. that doesn't happen when you're vegetarian. That's why you have right? the couch here. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But yeah, I also feel that there's so many different things you can do nowadays, and so I do this like weird combo of all of them. So I'm like uh, high carb keto with a bit of intermittent fasting. It's like the oh, fucking right. absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It's like okay, today I'm just gonna eat fats, but I've never done it to a longer period of Are time. Are you doing so. it by yourself? So or? my girlfriend. Uh, uh, was doing vego because we're coming on two weeks of the vego thing and she was in Sydney yesterday and she said, um, I slipped up and had a steak. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, so I mean, that's like on the high she end. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit it on the uh, way yeah. down. And so like I've been pretty good. Like uh, Tommy for Fat Fridays brought all these fucking things which we thought you would think a vegetarian. Yeah. yeah. I looked up like what do people think a vegetarian but aren't. Yeah. Yeah, and so and there's so like, like a pumpkin soup that has chicken stock in it. Or there's oh yeah, his well, like favorite lollies, lollies that have gelatin in yeah. it. Well, yeah, gelatin comes from it. Like, yeah, the animal yeah. bone's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. Uh, the, what I like about it, I'm not even doing it, but what I like about it is it's sustainable. Mm. It, it's not yeah. a fad diet. It's a lifestyle change that you can do, and it just rules out a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so it's just clear rules. Don't do eat you that. eat much soy yeah. product? No, not not too much. See, that's why I'm trying to yeah. avoid. Yeah, and then at the pizza place, my mate was saying, "Oh, it's like I'm like, oh, what's well, the fucking pepperoni? Like they say, it's pepperoni pizza." Yeah, and they they actually say like um, salami, or they say um, uh, bacon. Like they don't actually tell you what it is. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, it's not like the early two thousands, like faux hot dog yeah, or whatever." Right. But then. I was eating the pepperoni. I'm like, I just want to know. He keeps saying it's plant based. It's plant based. I'm like, that doesn't okay. mean it's healthy. Yeah, yet. and so yeah. I'm like, does is that mean plant based? Are we talking like, if they've done something with eggplant to make it taste like mm. pepperoni? I'm yeah. on board, but they were like, oh no, it's like soy protein sort yeah, of thing. So yeah. I and I don't so like. So I don't want that sort of shit. I did, no. did you? Uh, I know in New York, I've seen a YouTuber. You went and got these like sliders that are veggie or vegan. Yeah. Did you try any of that stuff? Yeah, I did. There? Yeah, yeah. Anything or like stand out? You know. No, like a lot of it, they're trying to emulate, like, emulate meat and I just, I don't want any of that, mm. right? Like I'm beyond that point. I started being vegetarian where I was like, I'm going to do, there was a TED documentary that I saw or mm. talk where he's like, just try a vegetarian five days and do meat on the weekends. Mm. And that's like awesome for me. I'm like, I can hang out with my boys and mm. still get steaks and um, and just during the week I can make my life, my wife's life a bit easier and just yeah. eat what she's eating. Mm-hmm. And I did that for about three weeks and then I was like, I don't even want to touch meat anymore. Yeah. And so then I became pescatarian mm-hmm. for like a month. And then it just gets worse and worse. Like everything all of a sudden, like once you stop eating meat, you're like, oh, well, now seafood tastes like yeah. meat. And then you're like, now cheese tastes like I'm sucking off a cow's <laughs> You know, it's like it just gets worse and worse. It's so, so. funny and because I start to relate to people because um, we've had a few people troll me about not having a keep cup and using like yeah. a – I get it, and I, but I get it even more now at how these little things, dumb things, can be triggering. Or you know, you're fucking going through an Insta story, and then yeah. you, like this week, like you see fried chicken, and you're like, ah, yucky. You know, you're fucking <laughs> yeah. moving, moving forward. It's like yeah. how, like, yeah. Mm. But I do love a good bandwagon. So, um, mm. but I've been doing it for two weeks. I haven't like yeah. slipped. Or you got to get through the. It took like three months. Once I hit mm-hmm. that three month mark, yeah. I was like, like I don't look at any of the meat products now and go, I mm-hmm. want to eat that. Like I yeah. truly don't. How about sugar? Because this is the thing I said to a friend, um, her father-in-law is like really lean, older guy, 
and he sort of fluctuates weight, but he's vego. And I'm like, what yeah. does he eat when he's really lean? Yeah. And she's like, uh, vegetables, like salad, no mm. sugar. Like, yeah. I was like, very fucking. Have no you actually bread. cooked a meal since you've been a vegetarian? Yeah. Uh, no, he I, cook I, had the oh, ma- right. I had the mango the other day, no, but that's not you really cooked, cooking a meal. No. <laughs> but that was a whole food. But no, I ha- uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I think that's important, just getting into cooking shit like it's yeah. it's actually the most easy thing to vegetarian cut some vegetables mm. put them in a pan what about Syrup like an, some i was thinking like an uber eats for vegos or something yeah like, that'd so, be good yeah because like, they're so, could... specific so you're not trying to mm. guess you're not playing well, in no the states guesswork. they had a section where it was like vegetarian and there's like a, an app called happy cow which shows you like yeah. all the oh that's good yeah well, i think but he, my, and my wife's got a uh instagram page called food thy medicine which is all Vegetarian okay. and vegan based foods, and she puts like the oh, recipe awesome. there. How long has she so, been vegan slash vegetarian for? Uh, probably four years now. Mm-hmm. So, like, when she's like, What do you want for dinner? I'll, like, I'll go to Instagram. I'm like, I want that one. It's like Uber Eats. Yeah, yeah it's it's for me, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like, They're not charging me that delivery charge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, well, that's, they, I don't know if they have had it in the US, but they've got um, a free delivery carousel now on Uber Eats. Oh, cool. So, it's like, I start preparing lunch preparing lunch at 11.30 yeah. right. and every four minutes it updates with uh, different options that you can wow. like for free delivery. Yeah. So that's what I've been, uh, that's awesome. been doing a little bit. wasting a lot of time here at the office. Uh, I know you're <laughs> releasing uh, a range of vegan rollies in the next yeah. couple of weeks. Mm. Yep. What's, um, I mean, inspired by your wife? Is it something you, you've been wanting to do for a while? Yeah, I think um, we just, I don't like to do me too's like, you know, mm-hmm. when Tom's came out, uh, I had so many people hit me up and like, can you just like, this is doing really well. Can you do a charity and like, you know, just ride this trend? I'm like, no. The shoe for shoe. The sh- yeah. The shoe for shoe mm-hmm. or give away 10% to a charity. I just don't like doing that. I'm like, mm-hmm. how do we own that space? How do we do it? So it feels rolly. And if anyone saw the, uh, we did a collaboration with the McGrath foundation um, and like, we had a shoe where we had women's different types of women's breasts on there. It was called yeah. the Titty Committee shoe. <laughs> I got a lot of press, and and that just felt genuine, mm-hmm. right? And it was connected to breast cancer, and we, and, um, we created a platform where women can tell their stories, and it felt very authentic. And so, with vegan, now that it's a trend, um, you know, I'm very careful in how we play in that space. Um, and when I was at uh, Pencil, and you know, working with Adidas and some of the brands that I've worked with, I've got great connections with some like leading vendors. And so we're using a material called Clarino, which is the same material used in Stella McCartney's like thousand dollar shoes. Mm. And so it just felt like cool. It's not a compromise. Mm. You know, it actually, if anything, it may even be better than leather. It's four times stronger. It's breathable. Yeah. Um, you want to do it right. You don't want to do it as a yeah. reaction. Exactly. Yeah. What yeah. about people who are uh, wanting to get started? Absolutely no network. And they're on Alibaba and they're thinking of doing an order of 200 shoes. Yeah. Like I would say, run. Yeah, well, yeah. What's the? I mean, how how do you get into this into this game? At you know, you're in you're living in the burbs. You have mm-hmm. no connection. Yeah. Um. I mean, starting at Alibaba and doing that, I think you're going to learn the hard way. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I said, I'd been in the business for ten years before launching my brand, so yeah. I'd recommend that. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend working for someone, learning the ropes, um, adding as much value as you can to that business. And then starting your own. I think a lot of people come into businesses and go, oh, I'm only going to do this so I can launch my own brand. And they think about like stealing information and, and mm-hmm. instead of going, how do I provide value to that business? Because then you get exposed to a lot more and then yeah. ultimately everybody wins, mm-hmm. right? Do you think that's uh, – how old are you? 
36. Um, do you think that's a product of today's environment, younger people yeah. who hear the words of, uh, you know, um, passive income? Or yep. e-com, because start a yeah, shop. Yeah. You know, I'll get people to buy it. Like, yeah, drop and, then ship. and then they don't. <laughs> so then they go, well, because all you're saying is build some hard skills, dude. Yeah, man. And actually earn your place, yep. which is an old school approach in my mind. Well, it's, which, the, it's the infinite game rather than the finite game. And everyone's like the finite game is what you were describing with the just selling shoes yeah, and just yeah. doing all of that sort of stuff mm. rather than being like, actually, we're on this earth for a chunk of time might as well like actually mm. go slowly rather than yeah. the, the, the constant want for hockey stick growth. Like add some value to people's lives. Become mm. a master in your craft. Like I think it's so easy to do things now. Like, mm -hmm. you know, people if, who want to start a business can go, oh, go, I'll go to Alibaba yeah. or I'll open, up, I'll open up a Shopify site for $29 a month. Opening up a shop on an online store and not doing marketing and having some real online expertise mm -hmm. is like opening up a store in the desert and hoping people go there. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy, uh, but it's just so easy to do now that people think, "Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just set it up," and and that's how a lot of people fail. Mm -hmm. How do you find uh, people to hire? Like, um, yeah, what are you looking for? Um, it's very much around a cultural fit and mm -hmm. a mindset. You know, like I'm not trying to build a business that's the leading company in Australia in footwear. I'm trying to go. I don't really aspire to any footwear brands in Australia. I, mm -hmm. I aspire to a global space and go, how do we become a global brand? How do we do stuff that, you know, I always say the work that I want to create is how do we create work that I'm proud of that I'd put in my portfolio, right? And so we're still chasing that. You know? What about like the, I guess at the executive level when you start going sort of the more senior route? Yeah. Uh, potentially it's a diff it's a slightly different game because in one perspective you want them to treat it like it's their own yeah but then a bunch of people who want to do that will just start their own business mm -hmm. how do you find the entrepreneur that's happy to play the employee entrepreneur yeah. game um you got to be flexible you got to understand what every employee is coming in to do mm -hmm. like you know what do they value and play to that um you know there's certain people that I would love for them to work for me for five years and then start their own business. I'll help you. Mm -hmm. Right. There's no point holding back people. Um, you know, if that's why I say like focus on if employees that are looking for jobs make sure that it's a two way street. Like a lot of people go, oh, I'm only here for a nine to five and mm -hmm. I want to get paid and then I'll do something. If you're here for a nine to five, my business is not right for you. Mm -hmm. And now I don't want you to work beyond five, but I expect I'm going to be dedicated to it's you so as a person. It's so true though, isn't it? Cause we're like, I think that's the, it's like we want you to be able to have like normal hours and all that sort of thing, but you don't want the person who wants the normal hours yeah. working because then mm. it's constantly time checking and Absolutely. playing that game. I don't count hours. Like, you know, mm. I've got um, a big shout out to Deb, my marketing girl, but, you know, she, she's got she's a mother of three. She's a superwoman, right? Yeah. Like she's got so much shit on her mind. But, you know, there's days where her kid's sick and she has to work from home or mm. she's running around. Like I'm not going to count your hours. I count yeah. the output. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So... I think, you know, she could, is she capable of starting her own business? Absolutely. A good chunk of my the people in my business can. But if they understand what we're trying to create and we do this together, there's a lot of value in that. And if I give mm. them the flexibility and they feel like they're a part of something, um, it becomes bigger than them. So it becomes, you know, easy to, for them to buy into the story. To finish up, I'd like you to analyze our shoes yep. and maybe get some feedback on, in regards to our personal brands, where we could go with it. 97, oh, while mate. we do that, can you see if there's any uh, comments or things 
uh, that you might want to bring up from Instagram. But I'll... first, firstly, how do you say the brand of Josh's? Basics. Yeah, I appreciate that you did a bit of bogan translation before we yeah, added yeah. Adidas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but so, it is ASICs, is it? Um, I mean, I trust you over myself, but I've just been saying. I mean, so I think ASICs. in the States, yeah, I think it's I mean, this is the company I worked with. This yeah. is the first shoe that we released. Uh, really cool crew, actually. And so but the. Uh, I, I always say ASICs. And then yeah. I've got Adidas over here. Okay. You got Adidas. Yeah, I like that you're repping the international. Yeah. Well, it's only, Amer- only Americans say Adidas. It really is Adidas. Adidas. Yeah, absolutely Adidas try, like. He's an absolute tryhard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All day I dream about sex. And right. so, yeah, yeah. And so um, in regards to, so the reason I got this shoe was because I uh, had two, well, I still have two herniated discs. Okay. I want something comfortable that I can walk. I like walking, walk to and from uh, the office every day. Yeah. Uh, and so this is basically like a shoe that, people would potentially use if mm. they were running a marathon. Yeah, it looks Maybe. like you've gone for comfort. Yeah. Over, <laughs> yeah. 100% a, nice comfort. A, a lot of comfort. Um, what, how <laughs> many, you've actually got one pair of shoes and that's him? Yeah, so the thing so is... Like, as in, 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 in your entire oh, collection? I have one or? pair. I went to a, a party that was uh, white only. Like you had to wear white. Like it was, yeah. a, it was actually dumb because it was um, uh, lawn bowls without shoes. Oh, so I you went took, and you bought the white shoes. But I, I think I overbaked oh, wow. it and I it's bought these the bands or whatever. Anyway, so they're all clean, but I wear them for one day and I feel like I'm at my fucking knees about to dislocate. So yeah. what, if, if I was wanting to look a little cooler, obviously I would, wouldn't wear the running shorts, but I'm, going, I'm trying to complete the look. Um, what sort of shoe for comfort yeah. plus style should I go? Well, I mean, that sounds like a plug because, I mean, I'm going to plug my own brand, Rolly. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I could make you a custom pair of whites. But do you, you have – well, because well, what I'm curious about, because I've tried like um, – remember like uh, volley, Dunlop volleys? Dunlop volleys, yeah. It used to be like in school that was the sort of the thing. Of course. But they didn't – they would fuck my back because they've got no support yeah, on yeah. the – and so your shoe is light. Yeah. Good for like travel. Do you have to compromise? Are there certain people where it's like actually you need fucking orthotics if you're going to use it or what's the deal? No, I mean we have removable socks so you can mm-hmm. put orthotics in there. Okay. Um, I mean our men's game has been, has been weak to be honest. Mm-hmm. So we're actually relaunching men's properly okay. uh, in about – it'll probably launch uh, around April. Okay. Well, I mean if um, it's vegan. Vegetarian range? Vegetarian range, yeah. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. But I can go into Red Sparrow and look like a boss. Um, so <laughs> I reckon I've got three pairs of shoes in total. Really? Josh is maybe, you yeah, got, got two. two. How many pairs of shoes do you actually have at uh, your house? I mean, he was paid in shoes. I was paid. Yeah, let's keep that in mind. Yeah. I've easily got 150 pairs. Really? Where are they? Uh, like I said, I've got a country house. So, okay, yeah, yeah. That's why um, you bought them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I gift some to my family. Um, you have to, you've got to dial in your insurance and shit for all of that because yeah, it fucking burns down. Absolutely. I've got like, so I've got my like my heat. So mm-hmm. I've got like, you know, I don't know, maybe 20, 30 shoes on mm-hmm. rotation that are like special occasion shoes. Yeah. And then I've got my beaters and mm-hmm. then I've got sort of just gen, just stuff that I collect. Yeah. And what, so, do you, what do you think of um, uh, Kanye's range? That he did. Um, that he does. You mean Yeezys? The Yeezys. Yeah, I mean, I think the first ones, um, or, or, you know, or the 350s and he's done a great job. I mean, Boost is an incredible technology, mm. right? And you, I think you're wearing Boost right now. So yeah. what is that technology? Boost is this, this, mid, this midsole. I mean, it's so comfortable. Yeah, real comfy. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think he nailed it, you know. 
Uh, I think he's got to do something new soon mm -hmm. because, you know, um, we haven't seen anything lately. He's just been dropping the same shoe in different colorways for probably two years now. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's legit. I mean, he won Shoe of the Year a couple of years back. You know, mm. it's an incredible shoe. Why yeah. aren't there good stylish shoes in 2A? What's 2A? Wide. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the other thing is I'm like, guys, I got a footlock. I'm like, what yeah. have you got in 2A? Well, I've got Josh. I've got the fucking Asics for Marathon. Yeah. Or we got yeah. the sketches up there with yeah, the yeah, yeah. wide Although, flipper foot. I didn't know like the um, uh, what, what do you call it? Like the negative connotations of sketches until so I oh, I really? went to yeah I went to the Jeez. US and they do like buy one get fifty percent off and so yes. I went to the states with my mate Nason who's not that he wears polo shirts every day and he's like man get up these are the He's um, American. He's like, man, these are the the comfiest shoes you can you can buy. And so I bought like six pairs of sketches. sketches. Oh, <laughs> was this I, with Kardashian? I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have agreed to do this. But they were so. But they're like uh, full. Like it's a like. Yeah, I I've seen Kardashian but with it's the like roller CBTs. Yeah, like, yeah. It's fucking like the memory foam or whatever the fuck they're using yeah, right. is is amazing. So if I was, if you had to advise us based on having a wide foot, yeah, and keeping in mind that like. Uh, the, you know, the Converse ones, I tried wearing them as a kid, but they're, yeah, they're so narrow, narrow, I'm going to fucking break my foot. Yeah. Are there any cool shoes that are designed for wide feet? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the basketball boots are always quite okay. wide. So, so I have to wear basketball shoes. <laughs> well, I mean, like this, this is a, I mean, the Jordan, okay, yeah, the Jordan sure. ones are Are they are called good. the 90? What do I... I bought some a while ago that I think they had 90s or something, 90 or something. The MX 90s? Yeah. Yeah, that's not these ones. These are the Jordan ones. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah. And so they're it's just an expensive game. Like you, I was looking in Nike the other day, saw these great pair of shoes. I haven't bought a pair of shoes in ages. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to spend $180 mm -hmm. yeah. just yeah. For, to look cool, but they're not even that functional. <laughs> so the, the pricing yeah, you could is, always give you like eight, nine weeks of your life and go on a reality TV show and then <laughs> <you're trying> <laughs> get friend repairs. Yeah. I wish it was for Nike though, but shouldn't <laughs> say that. But. And so the um, price of shoes, yeah, has it, changed much is it is it getting cheaper and cheaper to make shoes well the shoes at retail are getting too cheap i mm -hmm. mean for the amount of work you know one shoe can be touched by 40 people you know there's probably you know 20 to 30 components in every single shoe so the amount of work that goes in shoes relative to the price mm -hmm. you know is pretty crazy mm. yeah it, they should be more expensive yeah interesting and so what's the is it uh bad sort of labor so like is it accessing like cheap labor is that what's happening yeah i mean that's why shoes are still made in you know mm -hmm. cheaper countries like you know china and vietnam mm -hmm. you know i think when you look at italian shoes and people are like, why they're so expensive it's because like i said there's so many components there's so many the, the cost of opening up an outsole mm -hmm. um you know it can be anywhere between five and twenty thousand dollars so that's before you've wow. sold a single shoe. You what know. did you say? What is it called? Opening up an outs? Yeah, so to, to do the tooling for an outsole if you want to do your mm -hmm. own custom design. Mm -hmm. That's why I so the barrier to entry into sneakers to do your own brand is really high. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I say like go out there, get your, build up your networks, build up your, your technical experience and then do it. If you're going to go on Alibaba, anyone can go there and just get an outsole mm -hmm. and design a shoe on it. But, you know, design your own soles. Um, Sign your own uppers, go pick all your materials, do all of that. And so if you're uh, – because 97, how much did you pay for your shoes? I, well, these, yeah, these, these are what like – What are you rocking? Lacoste, just like oh, white yep. sort of. Um, you have like, like $5 shoes the other No, nah, nah, but month. the problem is they're not breathable, so your, your feet just smell like shit. 
Yeah. So, but like these were like 70 bucks, I think, uh-huh. like 30% off on the Iconic. Where was the, what was the shoe brand? The one that was like literally like 10 bucks? Kmart. Uh, yeah, no, it, I think was, it was Kmart, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was from. The same place you got the hoodies? Was it from there? Yeah, it was literally like what's 10 it? bucks for a pair of shoes. Yeah. Wow. And so, I mean, what's the. Does, the, does 40 people still touch a pair of $10 shoes or what's happening yeah, there? in most cases. So, so, yeah, that's yeah. Crazy. so cheaper labour. So <laughs> yeah. cheaper, yeah. This guy yes. funding that shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, we live in a <laughs> we live in an over-consume um, sort of world, right? Mm-hmm. Like we overproduce. We don't need the amount of products that we do. Yeah. It's like... I mean, you got 150 pairs of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. But the funny thing is, right, like when you think about... Uh, the way the design space works, right? Mm. There's companies out there designing shoes eight months in advance, hoping that they're going to design something that you actually want. Yeah, sure. Right, and then it goes into a retail store and sits on the shelves until it gets sold. Mm. If it doesn't get sold, it then goes on sale and then someone buys it because it's on, yeah. it's on sale. Yeah, yeah. Like you probably wouldn't have bought it if it was at full price. Yeah. So the whole lifestyle is completely broken, mm. right? Like I'm cool to have 150 pairs, but it's 150 pairs of shoes that I want. Yeah. As opposed to going, I bought it because it was cheap. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's where, as designers, we need to start to shift the dial and go, how do we start to design with people or mm-hmm. with people's insight a lot earlier in the process so that, you know, we're not designing so far out. And so I think the future is really exciting and the way we can disrupt supply chain models. Mm. And like, I don't think everyone should be able to have an opinion on design. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are not designers, like Shoes yeah. of Prey failed because not everyone wants to design a shoe. Mm-hmm. But they should be able to have an input. Like, if you've got a wide two E four, like, cool. Why can't we? Why can't you pick any shoe and say I want it yeah. in my size? And why? And so at the moment, that's just because they're like, uh, we would have to do more tooling or something, or yep. that's gonna, yeah, yeah. Essentially, that's the main reason. Too expensive. You'd be paying five hundred bucks for yeah. a pair. Well, that's and the you whole. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, um, companies like New Balance or whatever that do it, are they just seeing a gap in the market and saying? Yeah. Oh, like with his wide feet, we can sort of own that one. Yeah, pretty much. Um, mm. Yeah, but I think that, you know, as the world starts and the production process starts to evolve, you mm. know, if we can work on 3D printing and, you know, rapid prototyping and we get in a way where I'm a big fan of individualization as opposed to customization. So mm. you should be able to buy products that fit you specifically um, as opposed to sort of going, I want to change this to a particular color. So I think once that shifts, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to be producing less and producing what people want and I think we're all going to benefit from it. Because I remember Nike, I feel like maybe 15 years ago, had like some crazy flash website where you could pick the colour and you could they even embroid the... Yeah, yeah, ID, Nike yeah. ID. And so... I, I remember stores in New York, there's one that you can go into. And in LA, York. I know there's one and yeah. they're customising, taking bits from sh- this yeah. shoe and putting it over onto this. Yeah. Watch this epic video, this sneaker freak, um, Brendan Schwab. Bridget Sharp is a podcaster in America. He's yeah. got probably more shoes than you and he yeah. does the competition. Yeah, 150 is not that much. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's in, a, in he's this, an absolute freak, but yeah. he went into this place where they rip apart a shoe from over there and put it onto this. Yeah, soul swaps. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah, really cool. That's a whole different world, Yeah, the customization world. It's yeah. really cool what they're doing. That's so cool. Um, 97. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, just to finish off, I know you'd probably be good at looking at a shoe and – Saying uh, that's probably a twelve or eleven oh, yeah, size wise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. do you reckon between Josh and I? Who um, <laughs> who's got the bigger foot here? 
Oh, you got the bigger foot. Sorry. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> really? We went to the foot. Oh, you know why? You know why it probably was? It's probably because like my wife. The, the massive, <laughs> the huge cushion sofa that's like <laughs> attached to that bottom of the outside. Really? Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm at 12 and a half, and he's an 11 and a half. Yeah. Oh, we got wow. them. Did you, you got actually? You step on that thing. Yeah, yeah. The athlete's foot. But we've actually got um. Wow. We've got uh, Nathan. You know what? It was actually the legs in my face going. Oh, <laughs> just get him away from me. It's you. It's you. Are you surprised how tanned my legs are? Given yeah, it's like pretty tanned. Yeah. But the yeah. um. Uh, anyway, no. Mister Nosevs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gonna... No. So I was I was just curious. Like you were, you were saying like forty people have like a hand in sort of producing the shoe in yeah. terms of like the design process. How does that work when you're collaborating with someone else? Like, yeah. do you do you know, the front of the shoe or does someone take care of the sole or? Uh, it depends like what company you're working for. So if you're working for a big company like Nike and Adidas, you've got um, a creative director that passes on to a design director who then passes it to the brand designer who works with color materials and a marketing and a PM, right? So that's sort of, but generally the designer itself does the entire mm -hmm. sketch. Um, if you're in like an innovation department, then it may they may work on the actual concept first and the outsole and then work their way up and design uppers for that outsole. Um, but generally it's like a designer that designs something, but then the designer doesn't necessarily get it made. Mm. Like there's a lot of technical people that will go and actually get them made from there. So how much but, of the stuff yeah, is but on you don't, fire? You don't have like a front design, a designer <laughs> yeah, yeah, that goes, yeah, yeah. I only design the front of the <laughs> yeah, shoe. Yeah, yeah. There are horrendous. people that design just outsoles though. Absolutely. Because outsoles is a whole different mm. Like it's very, very technical. So And so do you just end up with like these brands, do they just have libraries of all the different bits so they can say, let's take the outer sole of this 2007 thing that we did yeah. and then put fucking mesh on the top or some shit. And then yeah, I mean the most important part of a shoe is the what they call the last. So if you've gone to a vintage store and you see those wooden things, mm -hmm. like mm. the whole shoe is built around that. So like it, when I was at Adidas, they had like six lasts that we built off essentially. The whole entire collection is built yeah. off six lasts. So they need a wider one is what you're saying for the two-way. Yeah, <laughs> so I would need to slide in. Yeah. Yeah. A full yeah. log. Yeah. 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 It's like a log from, from your, your mannequin sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, different options. Uh, Vince, mate, thank you for coming on, on the show. It will be good to get you back in six months and get an update on how things are all tracking. Yeah, cool. In winter when you're wearing pants. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. You should see my, I've only got one pair of pants. Don't give me the excuse. I'm wearing pants today. You're wearing yeah. pants. Mr. 97's yeah. wearing pants. How do you find the temperature in the room, by the way? Uh, very good. I, I was looking for the Nest, the little device, because it's on point. It's oh, like ah. No, we, uh, we um, appreciate we, you thought we had a Nest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. very high tech. <laughs> Silicon Valley over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. all birds. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. yeah, and it always has to be cooler wearing all birds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a daily talk show. If you've enjoyed the show, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can email us, hi at thedailytalkshow.com. Otherwise, have a good one. Catch See you up. tomorrow.